Hey everybody, and welcome to Multiverse Show Season 5, Episode 12. Thank you guys for tuning in. We got a nice show lined up for you guys. Lots of detailed information we got to go through. Uh, first off, we got to do your introductions, because uh, it's been a little bit of a while. Uh, first off, we have the Baron of Britain, the Caesar of Cinema, Mr. James Wilson, joining us. Hello everybody, I am the most tired person that has ever been. Thank you so much to Wrestlemania for keeping me up to 4.30am two nights in a row, and now I really want to sleep, but I have films to talk about. And we also have the Don Deletion himself, Mr. Megaphone Mike Peter Truth. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's Mike. Always great to be back here again on a Monday night for the Multiverse Show. We have a great docket of topics planned for everybody tonight, as usual. So let's get it started. And we have the White Wolf, Mr. Samuel Tolbert, bringing up the rear. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, at least games-wise, at least as far as that's concerned. <laughs> Rough elsewhere, but what can you do, right? Let's get the show on the road. All right. First off, we got to ask the immortal question we ask every single week. What have you guys been playing? Uh, James, you've been a busy man. Uh, you had a chance to play anything at all? Uh, I have not had the chance to play any new games, unfortunately. I have bought a new game, but I have not played it yet. Uh, I have bought It Takes Two, uh, and I am, fi I am waiting to find the right person and uh, time to play it. But I am very, very excited about this. Uh, people keep telling me it's really good. Uh, so excited to play it. Annoyed, I I, I don't have uh, a situation to play Adios. The, the more and more things I see about it, the more and more I really want to play it. But there you go. But yep, all my stuff is the BAFTAs, and so I shall will come back to that any moment now. Yep. And Mike, what you been playing, sir? So I've been playing some Black Ops Cold War. I've been playing this uh, little party game for the Switch called Night Squad 2. I actually just reviewed it for Level 1 Gaming. That review should be going live any day now, if it's not already. It was, a, it was a fun little diversion. It's lacking in depth a little bit, but especially when you play it with other people, it could be fun. Um, also played a little bit of Outriders. I'm enjoying what I played of that so far. It's got really solid gunplay. I'm digging the whole Gears meets, meets Anthem type of vibe that we were going for, so hoping to keep playing that. Um, other than that, um, I wasn't on last week, unfortunately. I did see Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, Godzilla vs. Kong, I should say. It was fantastic. Easily my favorite film in the, in the MonsterVerse so far. Loved it. Loved every second of it. And that's pretty much it. Right. And Sam? Yeah, so in addition to a bit of Outriders, uh, not as much as I would have liked, but I did catch a little bit. Uh, still grinding. It's fun when you can actually get in and you aren't being disconnected <laughs> anyways. Um, I actually am playing Oddworld Soulstorm. Free on PlayStation Plus, the PS5 version. Excuse me, it's also on PS4 and PC, but the PS5 version is free on PS Plus right now. And I'm enjoying it. It's definitely a little roughshod. Like, it is very old-school mentality, but it's gorgeous. Like, it is absolutely gorgeous. This is a great-looking Unity game. Lots of cool destruction effects. Lots of interesting environmental, systemic gameplay stuff, like using this uh, green juice to spread fires, but using water to put it out and possessing enemies. I I'm enjoying it. I I'm definitely enjoying it, even though it's frustrating at times. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Outriders and Oddworld Soulstorm. Right. Awesome. And uh, so for me, I'll bring up the rear here. I've talked about uh, what I've been playing. Uh, I actually picked up a couple different things because they had the spring sale going on for Xbox. So I picked up a few things. I've been playing a little bit. I picked up Virginia. 
I haven't played that one yet. Uh, I picked up Crash Bandicoot's Nain Trilogy. Um, I played Enlisted for a little bit. Um, that's now in like an open beta. Uh, pretty fun. I guess the closest I can give it to you is like it's Battlefield, pretty much. It's just it's Battlefield, but like hardcore Battlefield. Like you get shot once, you're dead. Um, <laughs> like you gotta be quick. Uh, then the usual Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, I started Generation Zero for a little bit. Didn't, didn't get super much into it really. Uh, most of my time has been split between Outriders and Valhalla. I'm playing that the most. Um, LB the show just started yeah, uh, the preload, so I'm gonna give that a shot when that goes live. So here we go, fun stuff. Um, all right, so questions like we normally uh, go into this uh, point here. We normally talk about um, uh, film corner. Uh, James, it's been a couple of weeks. There's been a few things that have happened in the industry. What's what's going on? What's the deal? Um, well, there's been a lot of stuff happening, uh, the, the news and casting announcements and things like that. Um, the only big piece of news aside from award stuff is, I would say, the Suicide Squad trailer, uh, which so looks so much fun. God, that looks like fun. I've never wanted to go back to the cinemas more just to have that with my bucket of fragrant popcorn, a soda on one side, a mate giggling from the other side, and just explosions and jokes. Oh my god, I miss the cinema so much. Uh, they open up in a month and four days in the UK, and I am just, I am so ready to go back. Uh, and the Suicide Squad looks super fun as well. They've got Starro. Starro is, Starro is great. But, last night, uh, Last night, yeah. Oh god, it's so it's so weird time, time things. Last night was the BAFTAs, uh, the British Academy Film and Television Academy. Uh, this was our Film Awards. Now, uh, I spoke before about uh, when the BAFTA nominations came out, how pleased I was uh, that they had nominated such a really really diverse group of films, group of people. Uh, in the director category, for example, you had four female nominees first time in history uh you had uh chloe zhao who ends up winning for nomadland who is now the absolute dead set favorite uh to win the academy award she'll be the first one of all of the marvel directors to win an academy award she of course is directing eternals uh coming out later this year um the the rest of the ceremony went pretty much according to how all the other groups have been going. Uh, Soul is picking up awards for animated film and for score. Uh, the uh, My Octopus Teacher, which is a brilliant uh, documentary on Netflix, I highly recommend that. Uh, that picked up another great win. Um, a very, very good thing that doesn't happen a lot, for, doesn't happen often, is that a brilliant horror film uh, got a bunch of nominations and won a few things. Uh, the film His House. It's a British film about uh, two Somali refugees uh, coming to the UK and then being haunted by ghosts in that in this house that they have been uh, put in. Uh, Brilliant to watch. Uh, it won an outstanding debut by a British writer, director, or producer. That's the writer, director, Remy Weeks. Uh, the female lead in that film was also nominated for Best Actress in a leading role. And the male lead was nominated in Rising Star. Uh, what 
else was the big winners. Nomadland, not, not only winning Best Director, it won Best Film, uh, continuing its run. It won the Best Drama of the Golden Globes. It's winning here at the BAFTAs. I, uh, I think it won at the, the Producers Guild as well. Don't quote me on that. Uh, Promising Young Woman, continuing to win many awards uh, for its feature uh, its debut feature for the creator, Emerald Fennell. It won Best British Film uh, and Best Screenplay. Um, nothing that we've been shouting about. Unfortunately, no nominations for Host, which I think is a crying shame in the 10 films uh, that nominated for Best British Film. Uh, Host easily was one of the 10 best films of the year, if you ask me, let alone just Britain. But overall, uh, the BAFTAs, I think, this year have done a great job in highlighting the films that normally don't get this kind of attention. Most notably, a film called Rocks, which was a debut film for many of the people in the cast and the creative team. And it had the most nominations of any film that wasn't nominated for Best Film. Uh, a brilliant film, if you can see it. Quite intense, very low stakes, uh, but really, really uh, hard-hitting emotionally. Uh, the only real upset was uh, Chadwick Boseman not winning for his performance in Mar Rainey's Black Bottom. Now, there is a lot to say that uh, his awards that he's been getting have been because he because he very sadly passed away. And while, of course, that is a part of the conversation in the eyes of the voters, it is a brilliant performance. And it's not surprising that he got the nomination in the first place and has been winning been receiving posthumous awards for this case but anthony hopkins ended up winning uh i think his second or maybe even third bafta in this category uh, for his performance in a film called the father um i could go through literally all of these uh uh nominations and awards uh, but I wanted to I wanted to highlight one more film just before we go, a film called The Sound of Metal. Uh, been getting a ton of nominations in a bunch of different guilds. It's nominated for Best Film, Best Actress, uh, Best Actor, and a plethora of others at the Oscars coming up. Uh, it won uh, editing and sound design because it's a film about a metal drummer who suddenly loses their hearing. Uh a film that really should be seen in the cinema uh, because it takes away the sound and it makes you feel like you're being suffocated or audially. You get what I mean. It's weird and I can't yeah. talk right now. Um, yeah, I mean, the BAFTAs once again put up, put on a great show awards wise i know it's we can't really review a show for like how they did the telethon or the broadcast itself but this year the baftas were not great presented wise they had two presenters who were relatively known in the uk but you know the baftas are a big deal they're often considered to be the second or at very lowest the third most prestigious award that somebody can win in the film industry and i just feel like it was treated as slight by BAFTA this year. But yeah, if anybody watched the broadcast, you'll know what I understand. They were sort of giggling, and it didn't feel like they actually respected the awards that they were hosting. But that's just me. Uh, you know, when the worst thing you have to complain about in the award ceremony is that the hosts didn't take it a bit seriously, you're probably fine.
So with that, uh, we head on to the Oscars that are happening in a couple weeks. I'm just going to get the date up so we can actually find out when it is. It is on oh, the stupid machine. See, this is the problem with doing things when you're incredibly tired. You can't actually find out. April 25th. So it is in not this weekend, but the next weekend we have the Academy Awards. Who knows what's going to win? It's going to be very exciting to see. There we go. Um, so I know, you, I know you're going to go to sleep, man. Like, <laughs> like struggling just to stay awake. Have you got to dip out now? That's totally fine. Or we're going to go straight into new, new topics here uh, because there's, there's just a lot to cover. Um, we're just going to like, jump right in. Appreciate your insight as always, James. For sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to jump into this. Uh, let's start off with, the, I guess, the shorter one, honestly. Uh, there's been sure. a rumor going around. Uh, this came out from uh, Jeff Grubb. Uh, we see him around on occasion. Uh, known for leaking things Xbox-related. At least he has them. So this one in particular is more about... Hmm, this is, I don't know, if, probably like a step above rumor per se, because it is coming from a somewhat credible source. Um, there's some elements to this where we will need to like say, hey, this is speculation, because there's been like some little developments that have been floating around over the weekend that kind of throw a little bit of this off for people. Uh, we'll, we'll go over straight into it. Um, Jeff Grubb had said specifically that uh, Kojima is supposedly working on a Xbox game. Um, specifically, there's not much information about it, but that he is talking to Microsoft about them publishing his, um, which is a pretty big shift, I would say. Uh, we know that for Microsoft, they've been looking for more like individual creator-driven talent, specifically, and like getting studios is cool, but they want to get specific people behind those talents, uh, just to kind of you know, not just showcase a game, a game pass, but so this would be like a pretty major get, uh, at least for Microsoft. Um, but we also heard uh, this. This is the part I'll I'll say it for now, and I'm just gonna get out of the way here. Um, this is mostly strictly about the rumor as to what happened. Uh, supposedly, um, the word on the street is that Microsoft was not the first person that Kojima had, um, had approached about doing uh, publishing his next game. Supposedly, he had approached uh, Sony and PlayStation, and they turned him down. Um, but again, that's strictly just conjecture. That's uh, something we've heard as really more just over-glorified rumor. In this case, I, I want to get that out of the way first. But I kind of want to get your impressions, Sam and Mike specifically. It, what, do you, what do you feel about this? Do you think this is like a... First of all, do you think this is true? And then what do you think this would mean, at least in terms of the industry itself? Do you think it's a big deal, little deal, or nothing at all? I mean, I think it's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, if you would have asked me this a year ago, even, I would have said that you were. I would have said that you were crazy. But I think, given the current market, um, you know, Xbox is really doing a great job making inroads with Game Pass. Some decisions Sony has been making lately have been questionable, to say the least. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, I, I, I do believe that there may be a shred of truth to this. Because Jeff Grubb is is very reliable. He's a talented journalist. 
and I have no reason to believe that he would just spew this out of nowhere unless he had it on, th on solid authority that this was actually being discussed. Um, I think it's a pretty big I think it's a pretty big get if this turns out to be true. Um, so say what you will about Kojima's recent games, but the fact of the matter is he is still relevant in today's gaming landscape. He's one of the most well-known game developers at probably of all time. Um, so it is a pretty significant get for Microsoft and Xbox if uh, this does turn out to be true. Um, I, I do believe that it's not that there, it's going to be a timed exclusive type of thing. Like eventually, it's I believe it's going to come to PC if this happens in the same way Death Stranding did. But if this turns out to be true, it all pans out. This is a pretty this is a pretty big get in my in that I never would have thought would have happened even as recently as last year. Sam, what do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I, I would uh, I would back that up. Like, I wasn't the biggest fan of Death Stranding. I like Death Stranding. I just didn't love it, to be clear. But I, I did enjoy it. I bought two copies of it, <laughs> so I can defend myself that way for I sure. Certainly hope so. Um, <laughs> you like? Yeah, two exactly. Of it. Okay, okay. So I have to explain that story. What happened is I pre-ordered the Steelbook edition because the Steelbook looked really nice and I wanted it. But literally a few days before the game came out, my PS4's disk drive died. And I was like, okay, I'm not missing this game at launch. I'm just, but I still want that steel book. I'm going to bite down on the bullet and I'll just buy it digitally. You act like um, you actually have to explain that. You're talking to the guy who's bought like six copies of Fallout 4. Uh, you don't have to explain that. That actually makes sense. Yeah, but that, yeah, <laughs> but that goes without saying. You buy a dozen copies of whatever Todd makes, it goes without saying. Someone buy anyone else buys two copies of anything, it has to be explained. Like this is just how the world works. Come on. Um, anyways, so um so I say that to say, like, I'm definitely interested in a Kojima game, and much like uh, Mike said, I have no reason to doubt Jeff Grubb. If Jeff Grubb says they're working on this, they're working on it. Worth noting, even Jeff Grubb said this doesn't mean it's one hundred percent signed. It could theoretically fall through. Deals have fallen through at the last minute. But if it happens, really cool. And considering Death Stranding, like it sold a but it didn't set the world on fire sales-wise, I wonder what something like Game Pass could do with Kojima making a crazy new IP. Like, that'd be interesting. I just hope it's a survival horror game, personally. I'll just put that out there into the ether. Before we know anything about this game, before we know if it even happens, I want it to be survival horror. Just going to make that clear. Yes, please. I second that. I want a tower defense game. Oh my Man. god. On a Kojima okay, okay, tower no, defense wait, game. In, in the, okay, in the interest of being fair here, a Kojima tower defense game could. Like, I'm sure he could flip the script in some unique way. So, well, I'll. Fair. Fair. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Kojima, just at least in terms of his development style. I think he just leans more towards weird. He just doesn't explain things. And. Uh, I don't know. That's more like it's a stylistic thing. I don't like. I don't care for. But I will give him credit. It, whatever thing he makes, it's definitely unique. <laughs> so, yep. I, I give yep, him credit sure. there. I know personally, like for me, I don't really care about it. Uh, if Xbox got it, I know it would mean something though. Um, it would mean that. Well, I think with Sony specifically, they've relied on having exclusive talent come to them by default for so many years. Um, and Microsoft's strategy has been to eliminate that as much as possible. So you see things like uh, 
Sega with the Yakuza series, where they were just default PlayStation exclusives because they didn't even bother making it for an Xbox. All came to Xbox, let alone launching in Game Pass. So, I mean, it's just been Microsoft's strategy to try to eliminate every single one of those by default exclusive situations, and Kojima's kind of in that same kind of vein for them. So I I totally understand them going after him, and I think it'll be a big get. I personally don't care about it. Um, I'll give it a shot, but you know, free in Game Pass, so I'll give anything a shot for games in Game Pass at this point. So, uh, there's that. Um, other than that, at least on this particular one, um, addressing this the follow up rumor part, do you for for the group here? Do you think what's the credibility chances for you guys thinking about? The Xbox, uh, well, that they approached Sony first, and Sony turned them down. But do you think that part is real? I think it certainly does it makes sense. Total BS. What do you think? I, I don't want. I don't want to speculate too much. I certainly think it's possible. Like I, I think it is. I'm gonna say not guaranteed, but like more likely than not. Considering the hype cycle Death Stranding had, considering we don't know the budget for Death Stranding, but like look at the, how much Hollywood talent was in that game. It, it was not a small budget, you know. Part of Gorilla, they there was like 40, 50 people at Gorilla helped uh, co-develop that game. In addition to like the 100 at Kojima Productions, it used Decima, which is Sony's in-house Gorilla Games specifically in-house custom engine that Horizon runs on and whatnot. It wasn't a cheap game to make. It, it definitely wasn't. And it got a good critical reception, and it got good sales, but it didn't blow the roof off of either. So that's a very long-winded way of me saying, especially in light of some information we're about to talk about, yeah, I can see Sony going, oh, we're not certain this is the way we want to go. Um, that doesn't mean it actually happened, of course. Yeah, you kind of took the words from me, Sam. Given some of the messaging that Sony's been putting out in recent weeks, um, I, I, I would also say that, you know, I, I don't want to speculate either, but I think that situation was more likely than not um, with Sony turning them down. I mean, I, I'm in the same kind of boat. I, it definitely sounds real to me. And, like, the big thing, too, is that it was not un- – it was not unknown that they went over budget. I mean, they went out of their way to like not only seek Hollywood talent, but specifically get third-party sponsorships for a single-player game, which was strange. But, I mean, I don't know. It, it's a very strange move. You don't really do that if you have to. Um, but anyway. Uh, moving on from that, we got the big piece here. This is the the Schreier piece that came out actually actually yesterday over the weekend. Um, and Sam, we're gonna let you take over and walk us through step by step here uh, because there is a lot to unpack in this article. Um, so go ahead and uh, take us away, Sam. Yeah. All right. So credit. Yeah. Like Ivan said, credit where credit is due. Um, Schreier did not skimp on this one. This one, if you can, I actually encourage you to go read it yourself. It is worthwhile to, to go read it on Bloomberg. So I, I'm not going to read the full thing here because we'd be here for a while. So I'm going to try and break it down bullet point by bullet point. And then at times I'm going to ask questions to you guys because there's some necessary background information for understanding why this is a big deal. Have either of you heard the long, like r- long rumored, I've even brought it up from time to time, 
quote, secret Sony San Diego studio, unquote. Have you heard that? Have you seen that? I have uh, not. Bandied so around? I, ha- I have Twitter. not either. Okay, all right. There, so that's been a big thing for a while. Um, and not just among fanboys, like among journalists as well. Like there has been an understanding that Sony was very quietly for a while now, actually since like early 2018, if not sooner, secretly building a San Diego studio to work on some sort of big existing adventure game. Uh, the rumor was Uncharted, but we didn't actually know if it was. Like this has been a big thing. Okay, this is not wind, so to speak. That's the background information. Uh, but the, the pitch, the headline for Schreier's piece here is Sony's obsession with blockbusters is stirring unrest within PlayStation Empire. And it's, it's hard to disagree the way he lays things out. We all heard about what happened in Japan Studio. We've been over that in the past. He didn't break the information here. But what he breaks down is Sony has a support team called the Visual Arts Service Group if you follow, and it's it, they are the unsung heroes, quote. His word's not mine, but it's true. They help out on all the other games, very quietly. You don't hear about them a lot, but they help out and they do animation. They do artwork. They do support stuff. You know, they clean stuff up. They help finish games at Sony. That's cool. That's fine. Support studios are a big deal these days. But this team, or some of this team, decided, hey, we want to make our own game. We don't just want to be the support guys anymore. We want to prove that we can hang with the big dogs, quite literally. And led by Michael Mumbauer, he was the studio head, was, he's left now, um, recruited a team of about 30 from the 200 or so at the support studio. And the idea was, let's prove ourselves with a remake. Let's remake a game. For some reason, they chose to remake The Last of Us. You know, the the critical hit, Last of Us, that has sold millions upon millions of copies. It's critically acclaimed. It got a remaster for the PS4 that runs at, I think, 4K60 on the PS5. Um, that Last of Us. They decided to remake that Last of Us. And what they did is they decided to remake it within The Last of Us Part 2 engine. So it w- the idea is it would be The Last of Us but with all the improvements from part two, like the new gameplay features, the new accessibility features, that sort of thing. Long story short, Herman Hulst, who became studio head, or not studio head, uh, president, you know, head of SIE as a whole, all the studio heads come to him, took a look at their progress, it appears last year, and didn't think it was coming along very well and thought it was very over budget. And he handed it over to Naughty Dog. He encouraged Naughty Dog to come in and finish it. And what happens is, well, you have one team that are trying to prove themselves, and then you have Naughty Dog, many of whom actually made the game. So whose voice, when there's a meeting and a decision, whose voice carries more weight? Spoiler alert, it's the people from, actually from Naughty Dog. And so Mumbauer has left, the leadership of this small team is gone, and they are jokingly referred to as Naughty Dog South, and now this remake of The Last of Us is being worked on by several dozen people at Naughty Dog and whatever's left of that new team. Uh, Mumbauer departed at the, by the end of 2020 alongside the other leadership. It's not clear what's going to happen to them from here on out. That's part of the story. You're with me so far? Any questions? I'm here with you. All right. All right, so the net, here's where the shoe really dropped. We're familiar, you're familiar with Ben's studio. Did either of you play Days Gone? Never got a chance to play it. I just got my PlayStation 4 Pro back yesterday, so maybe. Okay. Okay, no, all right. Uh, Mike, 
All right, I did all right. not play it. So Days Gone, yeah, that's fine. Very quickly, Days Gone came out. Uh, it didn't review super well. It was fine. It got a 71, a lot of criticism for the bugs and some repetitive elements, but it sold very well. Like, it sold very, very well. It consistently charted on NPD um, to the point where their analyst I know, shout out to Benji Sales out there, who has publicly said he's confused why Sony didn't share the sales numbers because they were really good. Like, the game sold really well. It resonated with the PlayStation Hardcore. Bend pitched a Days Gone 2 to Sony in 2019 per Schreier and were turned down and were told, nope, you're not going to do that. And instead began acting as support to Naughty Dog. Half of Bend was told, you're going to make an Uncharted game and Naughty Dog is going to supervise it. They're going to like be in charge, you know, checkmarking everything to make sure it's good. And the other half have been helping Naughty Dog with a multiplayer game. Spoiler alert, that multiplayer game is the Last of Us Factions that uh, was not able to ship with the game proper, but Naughty Dog said it's coming at a later date. And evidently, this is what this caused frustration. Leadership at Bend left. This is why you, you saw some of the guys who founded the studio, some of the guys who were really behind Days Gone, departed. And they were concerned at the studio that they were going to become Naughty Dog North to the point that they just got their wish to leave and they are no longer working on Naughty Dog projects. They are now uh, being allowed to work on new IP instead. So basically the summary here, it, this is just me, I'm interested in y'all's take on this, is there's a weird focus, not even weird, it's understandable business-wise, weird is the wrong word, there's an above-all-else focus on Naughty Dog. There's an above-all-else focus on the biggest of the big, the best of the best. If it's not Naughty Dog quality, we're not sure we want it. And I think there's some things that implies for PlayStation moving forward, some of them good, some of them bad. But I'm interested in y'all's take on that. Well, let's start talking specifically about what happened with Sony Bend first. Uh, we'll talk about sure. remastering or remaking Last of Us in a bit. I want to focus on this particular part first. So, sure. at least when it comes to Sony having what happened with Bend in particular, I feel like well, I'll, I'll put I'll preface it this way: with Sony, they have adopted a very strong critics first first approach. Sales of their major games are kind of a secondary concern to them. What they care about first and foremost is awards, and not only getting awards but getting high scores. They care about that prestige, like mega blockbuster status there, uh, but mostly getting high critical awards for whatever game it is. Um, they've been like this ever since Last of Us 1 came out. Uh, that's been their major focus on games. If the game doesn't get high critical scores, even if it sells well, they don't make a sequel. You don't see it do it. Like when Kill the Shadowfall sold pretty well, but that was towards the beginning of the PlayStation 4 generation, and basically was bundled in with it, but it did not score well critically. You don't see another kill zone. Like, this is what they've been doing. Um, if it sells well, that's definitely like a, a thing that they do keep in track, but it's mostly based on that the critical status. If they don't feel like the franchise has that capability of getting to like you know, 85 plus or higher on the Metacritic score, they're not going to bother making a sequel. Like this is just kind of what they've been doing. Um, for right now, Sony's major push, and you, you can see it as a 
whole company has been not only getting critical awards, but also expanding their platform. So that's why you don't see them cut things that would be considered failures by other standards. Like you don't see them cut PlayStation Now. You don't see them cut PlayStation VR. You don't see them cut those things because it expands the platform into outside of just uh, regular PlayStation users. Like that, that's what they're doing. And they want to have their games uh, be like media darlings for every single one that comes out and be major selling point. So they're not going to waste time on mediocre franchises. I, I That's my take in, just in terms of what they normally are doing at this point. And so seeing them not greenlight a Days Gone 2 makes sense. Because, I mean, there's only so much you could do for that kind of game. I, I don't know where you would go with it. <laughs> um, in terms of that, like that whole setup, the the you know the Sony formula, uh, where you have have main character, have them be sad, have family member or stand-in family member build emotional connection, have someone die. That whole formula just doesn't work for that particular franchise because if if you go that route, it's going to feel very Last of Us-y because it is also a zombie game. It just, there's only so much you can do with that, and they're they're not really giving it a chance to do it because they don't think they don't think they have faith in that franchise, even though it's actually sold. Um, so at least on the Days Gone Two portion, I understand what Sony's doing. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Um, but I'll let you guys take care. I kind of feel just to piggyback off of this um, with the Ben situation. And I guess this kind of feeds into the uh, Last of Us remake situation too. I feel like not only is Sony focusing on putting out the critical darlings, the games that are gonna be highly reviewed critically like you were talking about, Ivan. I feel like beyond that, they're focusing on putting out big budget AAA experiences with all of their games. And I'm not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. Um, that's their mindset. And if they're going to, if they're going to be embracing this multi-platform mindset um, in the near future, I suppose that makes sense for them from a business perspective, also. But from a gamer's perspective, there is value to be had with those, you know, smaller double A type of experiences indie type of experiences, you know, and games in the past that have released the last generation and this generation, games like What Remains of Edith Finch, games like Adios, games like Ori and the Blind Forest, those games show you that you could have games that are critically successful and not have that type of budget. So I understand it from a business standpoint, the focus on these big budget, story-driven, AAA experiences but as a gamer, you kind of reach a point where you're looking at you're looking at these games that are coming out, and they become formulaic because they're all kind of following the same template. Um, so I, I, I personally, I can understand both sides of it. It's just it's a smidge of disappointment there, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Ivan, do you want to say anything else, or do you mind giving my take? Oh, go ahead. Go right ahead. Yeah, so so about Ben specifically, I guess the thing for me that's disappointing, because I am one of those people that wanted the Days Gone 2. 
I, I complained a lot about it. I had a lot of issues with it, but it was one of those situations where clearly we could have a much better game. I actually very strongly disagree with Ivan on this part. Like, there's a lot you could improve. Um, the main reason it didn't score well is because of the technical issues. That was the biggest reason by far. It's like, so if you made a PS5 exclusive sequel, imagine hordes that are like 10 times the size or massive complex fights or crazy stuff like that. Like, there's a lot you could do to open the world up or even co-op, like bring in co-op, have a friend help you out. That's sort of thing. And, you know, the, the complex physics and whatnot could be handled by the advanced CPU in the PS5 as opposed to what's on the PS4. So, I don't know. If you look at past franchises, there's a lot of big franchises out there that wouldn't be if we had just, oh, well, the first game didn't quite hit where we wanted, so, you know, that's that. Look at Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed, like, the first game was received okay. It was liked. It sold oh, good, but it wasn't, it didn't set the world on fire, but Ubisoft took a chance. Then Assassin's Creed 2 hit. And now look where we are <laughs> with that whole thing. It spiraled out of control. It's ridiculous at this point, you know, and, and there's other examples like that. Uncharted, I Uncharted reviewed a lot better. I grant you that. Uncharted got like an 87 or an 88 on Metacritic. But still, the first Uncharted wasn't this phenomenon. That happened with Uncharted 2. That's when the franchise went, yo, this is crazy. This is the reason you own a PS3. No question. So if you're just kneecapping days gone like that, I don't know. I worry about that. A new IP is inherently riskier. That's the thing. I'm glad Bend is getting to do their own thing and they're not Naughty Dog North at this point like they feared becoming, but how much time just got wasted for them? They essentially just had the clock reset. So best case scenario, literally the best case scenario is we see their new game in 2024. Probably not even that soon because new IPs usually take longer than existing franchises to develop. So that's the frustrating thing for me. That's a big gamble. That's a lot of time. What happens if that new IP doesn't pan out for them? Days Gone 2 might have not been The Last of Us, but it was probably the safer bet. I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me, uh, business-wise. That's, that, that's my issue. Um, I will say this much, at least when it comes to Sony... They have positioned themselves with the, the tentpole model. Um, I'm going to give a brief little, not a rant, but just a quick little bump here so you have an idea what we're talking about. So normally in the fin film industry, you have a mixture of different films that come out, and normally you have like high-budget films, low-budget films. You kind of go you get a mixture of a couple different things. Now, at least when it comes to certain titles, um, at least for... Uh, video games, you normally have a mixture of those types of things. You know, big budget, small budget. The idea is that hopefully one of the small budget games will be a runaway success, and so a little bit of money put in, a lot of money taken out. Uh, that's kind of one of the hopes there, but the idea is that you spend the, your big budget titles, yeah, you put a lot of money into it, but you're going to get a lot of money out of it. Um, in terms of film, uh, we've seen kind of this adoption of this tentpole model, where every year um, I use Disney as an example because it's the easiest one I can point to. And you've definitely seen this, at least in terms of, um, see this a lot when you, uh, at least especially over the pandemic, you can tell with, uh, with Disney a lot, which ones they consider um, their big titles and their small titles. So for them, you'll have a situation like, okay, let's talk about last year as an example. Last year, 
Disney did not consider any of their Pixar movies temple movies because they put them immediately into Disney Plus with no charge. But for them, you saw like they kept pushing back uh, Black Widow because that was a high budget movie and they want to get a high return on it. So they're waiting for theaters to open. And they're putting it behind a $30 paywall. So if you want to watch it through the app, you have to pay extra for it. Uh, you have a situation like where you put it in um, uh, Mulan, where that was a big budget live action remake. And that is a tentpole movie for them. They put it behind a paywall. There's certain, there's certain films where they have to succeed. Otherwise, they don't justify their existence. Um, however, with that particular model, you're normally picking surefire hits you know are going to make a lot of money. But if one of them fails for any particular reason, they're screwed. They got to make their money back somewhere else, somehow else. And in video games, it's a different story as opposed to film. Uh, film, like you, you know, make merchandising stuff, you can make money back off of that. You could do it based on at home like, streaming deals. You can make it that way. Video games is a different story, um, especially right now, uh, where at least with Sony. All they really have to do with a, a game is like, hey, here's a $70 game. It doesn't sell well. You don't make your money back. You may put on PlayStation now, but there's nothing really you can do about it. You can sell it at a discount later, but you can't do anything with that property later. It just kind of, it's dead. <laughs> Not making any extra money for you. There's no other outside revenue stores for you to get it. Xbox has a different story. Um, if, you know, even if it's not one of their games, they can just put it in Game Pass, and it becomes a big get all of a sudden. And everybody starts going in Game Pass. Uh, it's it's a different story for them, <laughs> but yeah, at least for for Sony, if you adopt that model, it you know it's you think it's a safe bet. But if something happens, it's a loss, and you lose, and it's not you don't get that money back, and there's not much ways of recourse to get that money. Um. Xbox, I mean, if I had to compare them to a studio or something like that, it's probably Warner Brothers right now, where they they just got a mixture of a bunch of different types of stuff going on. Like, uh, they have their own big big budget AAA franchises, and they make those games. They, I wouldn't say they ever like hit it completely out of the park. They're not like beloved per se, but I know I'm. Ooh, that's heresy. Halo's so loved, <laughs> but it's not. It's not at the same level in terms of storytelling or anything like that, but it does well. It brings in money and people like it. Fun. Like it, it, it's not mm-hmm. the problem being fun, but they also get those small titles where, like, hey, runaway success. Like, I mean, Ori and the Blind Forest is a great example of that. That was not a huge, big budget AAA game. They put a lot of time and effort and care into it, and it has runaway success. And that, that's kind of what they hope for. It's a, it's a mixture of different projects that can the returns with them. Um, but it also gives people creative freedom. So that, that's my general spiel about Bend and that particular. And the other problem that I have with th- th- this current Sony is that they have a long history and I feel like they're, you know, just kind of sitting on a lot of really good IPs that they have in the past and they're not doing anything with them because it doesn't fit X template that they're going for. You know, I'm talking about game Warhawk. God, what's going on with twisted metal? Great game. Most of the games in that series have been really, really good. What's going on with that. 
Jack and Daxter. There's a very vocal group of PlayStation fans that's dying for a new Sly Cooper game, and they're just not they're just they're sitting on these IPs and not doing anything with them because they don't fit X mold. At, at least that's how at least that's how I perceive it. No, I don't disagree with you, Mike. And I think that's actually what makes this so wild that this team wanting to prove I get wanting to prove yourself, that's fine, but you choose to remake The Last of Us? Right, like why? The, this is a game that's not even eight years old and has already been remastered once. There like, are tons of games, tons of games you could have chosen to do a remake and prove yourself that I think, no, but no, I know could have been under budget. But they would have had a smaller budget than remaking The Last of Us. Like, there's just no way they wouldn't have been. So, I'll say it. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. HBO. I guarantee you, this was before that happened, dude. I I know. I know. However, this would be why. Imagine the synergy here. New series launches on HBO simultaneously, the remake of Last of Us. With Pedro Pascal's face on it. And they just no, reskin everyone's face to look like uh, whoever the HBO characters are. No, no, I I know you're galaxy braining here, but that's not what happened because this was greenlit before the HBO series. Oh, I bet it this was, was greenlit. greenlit. I bet it was greenlit. Or they would be thinking, oh, there's an opportunity here. Yeah, but no, they wouldn't have been. They literally, no one knew about that before it even happened. Like, <laughs> they were siloed off from, I, I, I get why you're galaxy braining, and it certainly is synergy. Like, and, and I'll agree with you in the sense that I think that's why they're finishing it. I think they're letting Naughty Dog take it over and finish this project because, oh yeah, people are going to watch the HBO show and then they'll want to play a PS5 version of this. We saw sales of The Witcher 3, like, skyrocket when uh, The Witcher show came out. How much more for something like uh, The Last of Us if there's a PS5 version? I think it's just a fantastic coincidence that it worked out that way for them. Yep. Hey, you you believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I believe. I I think they've been working on this for a while. I don't believe them. <laughs> they've, been know, they've known about this for a while. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone else has any other takeaways. I'm I'm assuming at this point this team is just going to disappear. Here's my question. Do you guys think this Uncharted game is still in development, like that Naughty Dog took that over fully, or do you think that's just gone away? Because Schreier clarified on Twitter, because it wasn't clear from his post, he clarified on Twitter that he doesn't know. What's going this on with this that? Is he a just new, knows that... Un, a new Uncharted game as opposed to a remake. Yes, this was the Uncharted game that half of Bend was going to make with Naughty Dog supervising them. But they've been taken off of it because the new leadership said, yo, we really don't want to do this. We're not comfortable with it, yeah. reportedly. Um, so I, do I you think no Naughty Dog has now taken that Uncharted game over? Like, if you had to bet, if you, if you had to bet, what would you say? Well, what, my question is, what's Naughty Dog working on now? Like, as their main project? Last of Us is done. Only thing they're working on is maybe Factions. Well, and the remake. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the, the remake itself, I mean, I, I can't imagine that's a whole team, like, 
everybody's working on that one particular thing. I have a hard time believing that. But like, my question is like, what's their next? Yeah, it sounds like project? it's a feature. I don't, I don't think they would go straight yeah. into Last of Us Three as their next project. But I could see them doing Uncharted again. And spoiler alert for Uncharted Four: playing as Nathan Drake's daughter. I could see them doing that. Yeah. But I, other than that, I would love to see them make a new IP. But. Yeah, I, I would. I'm, I'm in the same, similar boat. I, I want to see Naughty Dog tackle a new IP, whether it's fantasy, yeah. steampunk, uh, cyberpunk, anything. sci-fi, like whatever. I don't. Yeah, li- literally anything. Um, and that doesn't mean I don't want to see more Uncharted in the future, or like even more Last of Us necessarily uh, under a certain context in the future. It just means that like, yo, you've been doing those two for a while now. Give, give it. And it sounds else, like your please. next two games. Even if it's a multiplayer game and a remake, your next two games are going to be Last of Us games. Let's take a break from it. Let's do something else for a bit. Yeah, um, and I, and, I, no. and I don't like and I don't like seeing them. You know, for lack of a better word, typecast is like, oh, they're just the uh, the Uncharted and Last of Us studio. I will I would like they like to see them do an IP the new IP too because I think they're I think they're more than capable of it. I kind of have. I kind of have the same criticism to a lesser extent with some of the Xbox studios. Like, who says that Coalition just has to be the Gears studio? You know what I mean? I would, I would like to see them try some different Coalition stuff. Coalition says that. <laughs> but no, man. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think I would love to see them have a little more diversity there. We got to answer your question about why that they're, they're only doing this. About why, um. Like, oh, why don't they do anything with Sly Cooper or anything like that? Oh, I, I can tell you why. Uh, probably embarrassment over what happened with Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. Or like they sold off their they sold off their IPs, and Activision hoard them out to the lowest bidder and say, "We'll make anything you want, anybody, anywhere. We don't care." I <laughs> I just don't. For them, I can't. I don't know, man. I I can't really. I can't see them selling off IPs, and especially in this particular world. IP is king. Like, there's always a demand for things of different IP. Like, I can't. I can't, in good conscience, like, just believe that, like, oh yeah, let's sell off our IP if like everything's got a chance to be successful. Everything does. I, I that's my little yeah. my little spiel on yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I think I think I think we're all I think we're all mostly on the same wavelength, all things considered. And look, just to be clear, because yes, I'm the biggest fraud. Of course, I'm going to you you'll catch me playing the PS5 remake of The Last of Us. Who do you think you're talking to? Like, of course I will. So before you even try to clip me complaining about it and then see me playing it later this year or whenever it releases, <laughs> just you know, go. I'm just gonna go ahead and get that one out. I mean, I understand. Like, I mean, they do it. I, I'm probably not going to play it because I don't really care for Last of Us anyway. I mean, they would have to make some pretty big changes, like redo the story or something like that. I don't know. Do something big. Anyway, that's my uh. Um, anything else regarding this, Sam? I know, I know, you want to kind of like bring up at least in terms of um. I know we want to talk about like the the follow up there because there was a um interview that happened with David Jaffe's podcast who had uh, Jeff Ross on there who used to work there 
Um, I do want to bring that up because there was a lot of people confused about that. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's worth bringing up. So the nutshell version of that is there was some miscommunication. For some reason, people thought that... I, I don't understand how this happened. I went back and listened to that section of it. I don't understand how this happened. People thought that Jeff Ross was denying it and was saying that Days Gone 2 was actually in development. I went back and listened, and he didn't say that. It's it's mostly just David Jaffe yelling and, you know, Jeff Ross is kind of looking uncomfortable through the whole thing, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, that's mostly what it was. But then after that on Twitter, and this is the most telling part to me, I don't know if you all have a different read, Jeff Ross says, yeah, thank you for tuning into the interview. Just remember, at Jason Schreier is a journalist, which means he can be a lot more honest than I can. So... Look, y'all, if if he's saying, hey, this guy who just wrote this article about things, he can be more honest than I can. Like, come on. There's only one way to read that. He's telling you it's real. Like, I just I, I don't know what to say if someone doesn't believe that. That's sure. just me, though. No, and that, that, yeah. that, really, that's what the case is here. Like, I David Jaffe doesn't like Jason Schreier. I'll we'll make that abundantly clear. Um Jason does not pull punches really for anybody. <laughs> like, um, I know a lot of people in Sony and Corey Barlog and Neil Druckmann don't like him specifically. Um, they've gotten in tussles on Twitter several times. Um, it's not a unheard of situation, but it, it's more of um, kind of funny, I guess. See them have this still have this issue and not be able to act like adults about anything and act immature. But that's kind of where they mm-hmm. fall. But yeah, a lot of people don't like uh don't like uh I'm you know, I said Neil Schaefer. Um <laughs> no, um a lot of people don't really care for Jason Schreier um in terms of his reporting style. Um but I, I'm not particularly surprised. So I but it came off as like you know what? Your reporting may be right, but I hate you, so screw you. But yeah, having Jeff Ross come out and basically be like, yeah, I can't say otherwise, but basically yeah, right. It, it's, very Mr. it's very Mr. Incredible, you know, Bob going, I'd like to tell you, but I can't. I'd like to tell you to go to this floor, but, you know, I can't. Like, it's, it's the same energy. It's the same vibe. But yeah, that's kind of that kind of covers it. Anything else about this you say we want to bring up before we move on? Um, I hope we one day get Days Gone too. I'm rooting for the best. I actually like PlayStation blockbusters. Like, I don't have a problem with them focusing on blockbusters, even you know more so than other types of games. Um, just can't have any failures if it goes that way. So I hope it works out. Anything for you, Mike? Before we move on, or we got here? Nah, I'm good. All right. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about before we uh, get out, leave the door here? Any topics at all? So, w- well, very so cool. one, so well, one I, thing, very, very uh, so sorry, Sam, you can go. No, no, I was just going to ask you what you thought of Godzilla versus Kong because I know you uh, saw it, but you weren't here when Ivan and I talked about it. That's oh, all. I thought, oh, I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. Just the right amount of cheese. Nice. Um, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think, I think. The kaiju battles were the most well done. 
in the MonsterVerse so far. I really liked that they kind of set up like this rock, paper, scissors dynamic that I thought was very interesting between the three of them. And the, and there were some scenes where the cinematography and the way that the scenes were shot were just really friggin' cool at some points. Like the one scene where Kong is up on the building and Godzilla's on the ground crawling around on all fours like he's a crocodile or something. I thought that was really cool. And there were a lot of scenes like that in the movie. I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it easily exceeded King of the Monsters. And I enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I watched nice. King of the Monsters beforehand. I had a hard time watching that movie. I just, I don't know. I was bored. I, but my my issue is that they always choose to make monsters fight and be shown in the worst possible conditions. Where like, oh, that looks cool, but at the same time, it's like I don't want to see this. I want to see them fight during the day, where it's clear. Like, I, that's what I want to see. And like Godzilla versus Kong, they're like they're fighting in the middle of a storm. They're fighting during a blizzard. They show off Mothra, and they're like behind a waterfall. And I'm like, look, I just want to see him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Killing me here. Monsters, the way I the way I describe it is, King of the Monsters has the highest highs, but also the lowest lows. Yeah. Yes. Like basically every human scene is so boring. But anyway. But yeah, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Like normally, I would complain about like the end fight scene where they're in Hong Kong because it's at night, but it's clear. There's neon. It looks cool. Like yeah, fun. But yeah, I, I I liked that a lot. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, what we got? Well, we got we got Mortal Kombat coming out this month. Is yeah, that yeah, very again? soon. I'm definitely going to be watching it. Definitely will watch that. 23rd? Uh, it's the 16th, isn't it? Or 16th? Oh, no, no, that's right. It got pushed back. It yeah, got, it got pushed back. back it was the 16th, and it got pushed back a week. That's correct. Yep. All right. Not bad. Not bad. All right, that'll be fun. You should watch that and do the show afterwards. So. Yeah, for but, sure. Uh, and so not for next week, but like two weeks out from now, we'll be yeah. able to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that kind of covers our show for today. Um, anything else before we move out? Oh, only other thing I just wanted to mention real quick. So apparently there is a Twitter user by the name of Forest underscore reviews. Um, and I thought this was significant because um, I actually think John, if I'm not mistaken, from Digital Foundry picked up on this. Apparently there is a component inside the PS4 called the CMOS. Um, abbreviation is complementary metal oxide semiconductor. You don't have to know what that is. What you have to know is, and I'm not a big, a big tech person, but this is basically a battery powered device inside the console that basically powers the internal clock. A lot of PCs and other consoles have the same thing in it. Pretty much they all do. So the issue is when the battery in that COMS, CMOS unit dies, you cannot play any games on your PS4, even physical games, without connecting to the internet first to verify the time. Now, game collectors, people that are fans of retro games, this might be a little bit of a problem in the future because right now, if I wanted to, I could break out my Super Nintendo, I could hook it up, I could play whatever games I want on it, no problem. 
right. now let, let me, 10 let me, years let me interrupt you let me interrupt you for just a second people are people are listening are not going to know what we're talking about here um there has been this big fight going on on twitter and a couple other places um about physical ownership this is big discussion yeah. about this for a long time um, a lot of people are trying to say they're against game pass because they don't actually own any games and then it turned into like well if you own it digitally you don't own the game technically and then like we know a lot of some xbox guys a couple other people are firing back saying well technically if you own the game physically you don't even really own the game you still just own a license to it um and people were like no i can just play that game whenever uh, but this this i saw you talk about this over the weekend um and yeah about this specifically yeah this kind of it's kind of it's kind of it just shoots a couple holes in that philosophy about physical game ownership because the issue is like i was saying right now i could take out my super nintendo i, I could take out my older console my ps1 and i could play games on that my physical games right now no problem However, if you fast forward from now, you know, maybe 10 years down the line, if that CMOS battery dies inside your PS4 and those servers get shut off and you can't connect to the internet to verify the time after the battery gets replaced, those physical games that you own really mean nothing. You're not going to be able to play them. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of sad to say, but it seems as though physical game ownership is less important now than it was in the past. And as a corollary to that, I'll say this also once again proves why backwards compatibility and game preservation are so important when new console generations come out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Because imagine like mercifully all but like eight, it was nine. One of them got patched uh, all but like eight PS4 games can be played on the PS5. So mercifully, there's not really an issue there because like all those games come forward. But imagine if that hadn't been the case, how bad right. that would have been. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think that covers everything we're going to talk about this uh, evening. Anything else before we move out? Uh, nothing good. for me. Thanks right. for bringing that up, Mike. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, 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 want, was, I, I wanted to bring that up. I'm glad you remembered. <laughs> All right, uh, we do our outros. Uh, Mike P. The Truth, sir, where can the good people find you, sir? What's the best way to connect with you on the gaming systems and on Twitter? All right, guys, you can catch me on Twitter at The Truth of Mike P. On Xbox and Discord, Mike P. The Truth. You can also check out what I write on Level 1 Gaming at LV1Gaming.com. All right, and Sam, where can people connect with you, sir? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Samuel Talbert. That's T-O-L-B-E-R-T. And you can find my long backlog of features and a couple of upcoming things on Windows Central, Android Central, and iMore. Uh, although all my news and whatnot for now is over at Tech Radar, giving the giving those folks a hand. And I'm Anchorman V2. You can find me on Xbox, PlayStation, all the rest of that Anchorman V2. Um, however, on Twitter, it's a multiverse show. You can find me on there. That's pretty much be a permanent thing. Fun stuff. We got big things coming up uh, for you guys in the future. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we thank you guys for tuning in. So it's always a good time talking with the boys.